Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your bad son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Dingway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Dingway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys. Just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Hey, we have a little bit of business top of the show. Uh oh. Then we'll get into some fun stuff. But uh, it's serious business. There was an incident with mail call a few episodes back. Folks might remember. Might remember. Might remember. Uh huh. For the most part, the glitter has been abated as much as glitter can be abated. You know. You're gonna want to call up a trade for glitter abatement before <laughs> selling your property. Yeah, they're gonna come have to test the glitter, see if it's got lead in it. Any home inspector is gonna test for glitter. We've taped off the entire area with sheets of plastic, and we're using a <laughs> negative air pressure system <laughs> to make sure that no contamination gets into the rest of the structure. All surfaces that have ever touched glitter have been cut with a sawzall, placed in two heavy-duty lawn bags, and then taken to the dumpster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, just getting the certification for glitter abatement is yeah. a, a big deal. It's a lot. So to avoid future uh, glitter incidents, we're going to reopen the P.O. box. So if you want to send something, we love opening stuff on the show. So so we want to get that back going. We love opening stuff on the show. Friends of DeSoto, fine with listening to us opening stuff on the show. <laughs> well, they keep sending stuff. So I yeah. I take that as a vote of confidence in the segment. Yeah, they can always stop. And we've gotten such great stuff, you know, like the shelves in my office are a, a monument to the wonderful generosity of the Friends of DeSoto. But just to like add a layer of security, uh, what we're going to ask you to do is take a picture of the package after describing it to Bill. So you uh, you slide into the DMs on one of our At Greatest Trek social media accounts, tell Bill what you want to send. If it passes muster, he will give you the P.O. box address, but also send him a picture of the box when you put it in the mail, just so that we don't get any rouge boxes that uh, are from, uh, you know, people that are potentially malicious or people that are just having a bad bit moment. You are thinking just a picture of the box. You don't want a picture of the person <laughs> or, or maybe like I've been watching a lot of The Vow. Mm. on HBO and like a big part of the cult sensibility of it is collateral. Right, yeah. I'm thinking maybe you should also, in addition to a picture of the box, send us a picture <laughs> you would not like us to share. Oh, yeah. Or like maybe you write a letter to a family member admitting something deeply embarrassing. Maybe we share that, that on the show, that yeah. sort of thing. You put that in an uh, in an envelope with a stamp addressed yeah. to that family member and include that in the box. Yeah, I think that... <laughs> That's really the level we want to be at with with the Code 47 now. I'm looking at my microphone and I'm seeing a piece of glitter on it still. Yeah. I don't know how that's still there. I've, I've like gone over this thing so many times. God It'll be with it. you forever. Yeah. Anyways, speaking of bad bit moments, Adam, uh -huh. I've had a couple lately that I wanted to share with you. I'm just happy you're getting out of the house. I thought this would be very difficult for you to achieve, but I'm very excited to hear your bad bit moment. Bits, bits, bits. No matter what, you're always doing bits, bits, bits. No matter what, you're always doing bits, bits, bits. 
I was doing bits. Bad bit moment. Bad bit moment. So these folks, uh, lovely friends, also just had a baby, and they uh, happen to be taking the same baby class down at the community center with us. <laughs> Where plumbers like to gather. And uh... <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, so this is, I thought that this was going to be sort of a mommy and me that is open to dads as well. But it's more of like an infant development thing. Like the lady that leads the class is uh, has like a degree in like infant neurobiology or something like that. So she's talking mm-hmm. to us about like, you know, stages of of progression and uh, milestones and things that we can do to, you know, manage the uh, very complex nature of having a new baby. And I was describing trying to put our son to bed as being like he's having a heavy metal party and I'm trying to change the vibe and <laughs> the uh, instructor in the class was like yeah so he, you're kind of the uh, the RA in this scenario and I was like yeah you know we've got the box full of condoms and dental dams on the door and she's like yeah and you're like going down the hall like knocking telling <laughs> telling him people are trying to study and and I like she and I are batting this back and forth wow this is the third class and a dad that has not been at the first two classes but is here for the first time just interjects how long is this bit gonna go on oh no yeah <laughs> <laughs> a bit killer. All I do is bits, bits. He killed the bit. He just like murdered it dead in the middle of the room in front of everyone. Strangled it even. Fortunately, I didn't have to defend the bit. Like the instructor was like, I will drive a bit into the wall. And uh, we, we had already crossed the my wife rolling her eyes threshold, but I was having a ton of fun and so was the instructor. And this guy just came in and curb stomped the bit. And uh, I don't know what to think about this guy because I was like, like his you wife. You know what? That guy was there for serious business, not this bit of uh, flirtation. <laughs> I know, but like his his baby mama, his his wife, uh, I think, has been one of the people that we've like had nice interactions with after class. Like I could see a friendship growing there, and this guy just like came in and not anymore murdered my fucking bit. No fucking double date for you. Yeah, you can't want to hang out with him anymore. Also, I think you question the judgment of her, given she married a no-bit. Yeah, a bitlessman. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very loosey-goosey class. It's a class full of babies. Like, most of the time, there's crying, somebody's getting their diaper changed, Some like, yeah. there are multiple boobs out getting suckled on in this class. At all times. What day and time is this class? <laughs> and where is it? Like, like you don't need to kill the bit. This is like all we have, man. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, your options for comedy are pretty limited. Why would you just kill the bit like that? Get involved in the bit. Don't kill the bit. That's my message to everyone. Enjoy bits. Bits are fun. I mean, that guy sounds like the real me of the class. Like, not yes-anding you at all. Just, like, watching that comedy hacky sack fall to the ground. Yeah, like, denying it. Like, coming in like an NBA player. Like, no! Yeah. You've only got room for one of those people in your life. And fortunately, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've uh, I've been having my own bad bit moments lately. Damn. I mean, like, that, that one had all the potential of being a good bit moment. And it just... It just crashed and burned. All it takes is is one 
bad baby class student to spoil the broth, huh? Yeah. Yeah. The bit broth, if you will. Indeed. And all it takes is one freighter to spoil the expanse. Yeah, that's really true. <laughs> if you will. We we meet one of the real low lives in all of Star Trek this episode, don't we? No kidding. Do you want to get into this episode of Star Trek Voyager? Before we do, we should probably say we're watching this episode in a specific way, aren't we? Oh, good reminder. Yeah. We, at the end of the last episode, landed on a square that told us we were going to have to argue yeah. most of this episode, more than normal, even. <laughs> the measure of a man square <laughs> is where we are in the game of buttholes. Yeah. And that means we need to flip a coin and then based on the coin flip, vehemently argue the pros or cons of the episode. Someone takes the positive, someone takes the negative. Yeah, and we and we don't know yet who is going to be pro the episode. And brings a sense of order and stability to my universe to know that you're still a pompous ass. Courtroom is a crucible, and if we burn away irrelevances until we are left with a fewer product, the truth. When people of good conscience have an honest dispute, we must still sometimes resort to this kind of adversarial system. Hopefully we can make some good law out here. And for good measure, sit on this. All right, I've got a coin here. This is the uh, the first challenge coin we ever did. This is the Dustbuster Club challenge coin from our... Uh, was this from our first contact tour? Yeah, I think so. Two captains, one nexus. What's heads and what's tails? All right, so I think tails is this side. It's the uh, cross dustbusters. Yeah, it's the entrepreneur with cross dustbusters, and I'm going to call this heads. It's just we didn't put a face on one of the sides. It's just the name of the show. Okay, and if uh, and if I win, I get to choose whether or not I want to go positive or negative. I guess so. Yeah, I th- I, I can't remember how we've done it in the past, but yeah, that, I'm I'm down with that. Or do you want to flip it for me? And based on the flip, whether it's heads, it's positive, oh, tails, yeah. it's negative. Okay, so I'll flip for you. And then after that, you flip for yourself, and it's possible for us to be both one thing. <laughs> but we still have to argue. <laughs> right. All right. Flipping coin. It's heads, Adam. You are for this episode. I am fucking pissed about this episode. All right, let's get into it, Ben. It's the season <laughs> premiere of season five of Star Trek Voyager. And the name is Knight with an N. Yeah, not a K-N. Right. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> Adam, one of the dumbest opens. How dare you? I mean, we come back from a summer away from the show, and it's like, what, are you trying to throw us off? Trying to make us think that this is some kind of 1950s sci-fi serial? Give me a fucking break. It is a very jarring open. It's... First of all, like this is a show that's presented in TV format, <laughs> but the black and white four by three footage of like an old timey TV, even smaller than what we're used to. Yeah. This is like one of those TV channels you can only get over the antenna. I'm familiar with this. I've been watching antenna TV for like 10 years. You get like <laughs> channel 7.9 or something. It's right. a station you've never heard of mm-hmm. that only plays like Kojak, like 24 hours of Kojak. <laughs> you would think that th- it would not pay back the money yeah. it, in- it costs to invest in getting a television channel and broadcasting it to just play Kojak. 
one of the arguments against cable is like with a thousand channels, you could have a channel about any one specific thing, like like magazines, right? Like specialty magazines. Mm -hmm. But it would seem that antenna channels could go the same way, right? Why why limit it? Give me all the antenna channels. So you're you're stuck on uh, channel seven point nine Kojak Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kojak Fancy is my favorite specialty magazine. $10 an issue, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. When the circulation is that low, like, how else are they going to make money? <laughs> no ads. <laughs> Bless you, baby. When I go to the vet, there's the same issue of Equus Magazine on the table, <laughs> the, uh, the magazine for horse enthusiasts. And Ben, I've never seen a horse at this veterinary clinic. Mm. I don't know why it's there. Yeah. And it is from... 2007. <laughs> uh, does it review Harry Potter's dick uh, at any point mm. in that uh, in that magazine? It really should. Harry Potter should be on the cover of that magazine for certain. <laughs> so, yeah, this is like, I don't think that there's much appeal for me personally in the nostalgia of bad sci-fi, like the heroic white hero complex guy rescuing the fair maiden who's been uh, taken captive and his buddy, you know, like the... I, I love that Harry Kim is the millhouse of playtime <laughs> and it's like the guy tied up to the lady hostage. <laughs> like, what is in this game for Kim? I, yeah, like he definitely is, is being a solid friend to Paris if I'm going to look at it charitably. Right. You'll never get away with this. Oh, but I shall. Are you telling me that they underwrite the character of Harry Kim in Voyager and then within his own fantasy life in Voyager, he is also underwritten? Yeah, that's a painful realization, I think. He was stating the obvious again. <laughs> we get to meet Captain Proton, who is the hero that fights Chaotica, the arch nemesis in this context. Captain Proton played by a Tom Paris with a, a much tighter haircut than previously. Yeah, I was totally on the lookout for the newness of a episode one in a new season, right? What are the changes? Yeah, what's been upgraded? I think one way to sneak a change in is to have your opening scene on the holodeck. Like, is this holodeck hair for Paris? Or is this season five hair for Paris? Yeah. It remains to be seen at this point. If the holodeck can make you pregnant, <laughs> it could probably make you have a different haircut, right? Just thinking, just, just resting in the statement of if a holodeck can make you pregnant. <laughs> Big questions. <laughs> it's subtle. Yeah, a lot of interesting implications for what the holodeck is capable of in this episode because the doc yeah. walks in and he's in full color. Everything else is in black and white. He's breaking kayfabe mm. by walking in in color. Yeah. They've got to order the computer to adjust his saturation. He's like in a, in a Tobey Maguire movie where things seem uh, too good to be true. Yeah. And then he starts seeing like the reality of his circumstances. Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> this is like getting a tennis court at the park. You've got you got a window, you know? Yeah. And then you got to leave. Yeah, he ran his light. That's what Paris did. <laughs> Can't do that. Yeah, yeah. This is not uh, the tightest set he's ever done now and uh the doc is pissed off because he wants to practice his opera which apparently he can't do in his office and yeah so we get the idea that the uh holodeck is in high demand at the minute 
it's kind of an amazing moment, low key. Like we breeze through it without really recognizing that Tom Paris has to treat the doctor like a person and not be like, Doc, you're a fucking hologram. (laughs) (laughs) And mentally I'm falling apart. I need this program to like for my mental health. Mm -hmm. So fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) That never happens. I think by saying that, I'm saying that the doc has achieved total humanity equivalence, right? I think so, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get in the business of defending this episode because it's it's bad, but... Also, the very name is racist. I get it. I guess the implication here is that the doc's mentals are just as fragile and just as important as Paris's. Right. I think that does strain credulity, come to think of it. Thanks for pointing that out. Thank you for helping my side of the argument. Wow, I didn't mean to do that. Yikes. <laughs> so another thing that strains credulity is up on the bridge, we see what's on the main viewer, and it's just blackness. And mm-hmm. th- they've been in this for a couple of months. What my theory presupposes is they could just point the camera backwards at the star systems that they're leaving <laughs> and still see those, right? <laughs> I thought about this so much, right? Like <laughs> you you can get on a modern airliner and hit a button beneath your window and it changes the opacity of the window. Yeah. You're telling me on the Starship Voyager, you can't project anything where the window is? Like you can't make it an aquarium out of a, a dentist's waiting room <laughs> through all the windows? You couldn't make it fun or interesting? It has to be black? I guess transparent aluminum has some limitations with what you can do with the projection, right? Yeah, yeah. I was very disappointed in this technology. So it sort of seems like Chakotay is just in charge here. And uh, the argument is boiling over down in the holodeck where uh, Paris is trying to make the case that they're studying sociology. This is like in Calvin and Hobbes when uh, he convinces his parents to buy him stuff from the... uh, museum gift shop, yeah, like all the dinosaur toys because they're quote-unquote educational. Several jobs ago, I tried to make the case that Max Funcon, as a writer, I was doing a lot of comedy writing, would be good for me and that work <laughs> should pay for my attendance. <laughs> they did not see it the same way I did. <laughs> and they refused to pay. Mm, yeah, that sounds not super dissimilar from the way the Uxbridge Shimoda Corporation treats, uh, you know, covering expenses for employees. Yeah, still paying my own way to Max Funcon. <laughs> RSVP Max Funcon. Yeah, it will be missed. Starting here, Ben, did you notice how unusual all of the camera movements were? And really, like, the lensing was. Like, you used to see in Chakotay's face look a certain way, and that's because you use lenses that are very flattering to faces when you shoot television. But these were not portraiture focal lengths. And when the camera's floating around these characters, starting here and for the rest of the episode, I thought it made everyone look not their best, but in a way that's intentional, right? The stress of being in this void is meant to be worn on our characters. I guess so. I mean, I sort of interpreted it as just a mistake. Oh, yeah, you would. Uh, but yeah, the ship experiences a banger. Like, Chakotay's off to tell the captain about Seven's findings that uh, they're alone in this part of space and they're going to be for a long time. There's a finger banger. 
Ben, because uh, <laughs> when the Doc and Paris are fighting over the controls in the holodeck, this is something that Chakotay picks up on on the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to know what gives, because uh, he is worried about this from a crew morale standpoint. If we go down to one holodeck when it's in this high of demand, yeah. we are going to have a fucking mutiny on our hands. Yeah, it's not good. I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. Is that understood? I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. You have just crossed the line. This is another no choice but to cross it. Like, this is a warmed over that nebula from one or Necrot Expanse mm. experience. like Kind of an anti-nebula though, right? This is just Voyager dipping back into the same goddamn six fucking scenarios they ever encounter. With a new twist, I'd say. Mm. No choice but to cross it. We learn in this scene they're two months into this transit and the, and the entire trip through this thing is supposed to take two years. Yeah. They're already falling apart. It's going to be a long trip. They have a, uh, a McLaughlin group of nothing. Uh, yeah. We are now out of time. Bye-bye. I mean, why even have the meeting? There's not even any issues to discuss. Yeah. Imagine tuning into a McLaughlin group where issue one is just room tone. Yeah, it's just like uh, talking about the weather, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's not good. That's not what you tune in for. Eleanor Clift saying that she had a pretty good tuna fish sandwich for lunch pat buchanan immediately taking that in the direction of like the price of tuna <laughs> running out of control <laughs> it's these damn liberals trying to keep the dolphin meat out of tuna so at this meeting uh, there's no new news including the news of them having to ration their power right right like that's a problem that's not going away they're having to use these power cells and ration the energy during transit, they're certainly not going to find a, a planet with deuterium in the void. No. They've got to survive on what they've got for two years. And yeah. um, there's also a little little discussion of, like, uh, the crew morale issues. And uh, Neelix is, you know, trying to come up with ideas. But they seem sort of self-serving, you know. Neelix is like, yeah, like put people on different rotations. I, for example, could uh, train with tactical. He is always trying to get into fucking tactical. He really is. Why does he want this? Morale is Neelix's job. Hey, Neelix, why don't you do that job better? And then maybe you can get a crew rotation. Yeah, yeah. Check in with me when morale is at 100%. Then you can learn how to fire the phasers and shit. One great idea gets floated here. The construction of a third holodeck in Cargo Bay 2. Yeah, that is a good idea. You should make Hollow's deck... All sorts of places. Yeah, the Herogen maybe weren't wrong in trying yeah. to convert as much of the ship as possible. Did they leave those emitters up? They should have. You don't want a reminder of the Banes. That would sort of be <laughs> kind of a drag, right? Especially when they're Nazi Banes. Like you don't. Yeah, you come home and find yourself in a in a Nazi occupied French village at the end of a shift. It's like, oh fuck, come on, again. Do you think that's morale neutral, given what we're learning about how <laughs> how people are feeling at this moment in time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, at least it's different. Something's brought up in this meeting about where Janeway might be. And at this moment in the episode, I had the same question. Where is she? What's she up to? They kind of treat the subject as a sore one, though, yeah. especially Chakotay. Chakotay is mega defensive 
about where Janeway is and why she's squirreling herself away. It's pretty odd, you've got to admit it. It's her choice. She can run this ship from wherever the hell she wants to. Understood? If you need to ca- ask the captain a question, you can do it after she gets out of the bath, <laughs> not before. <laughs> yeah. Harry would say or do anything to stay out of the Captain Proton program at this point, right? He's like, look, I think we should just treat this whole thing as a fun adventure, as a nice little break, maybe approach it with a positive mental attitude. Yeah. BLT is not having this. BLT smashes his fucking clarinet on the table (laughs) and the meeting ends. And the camera follows in a very floaty fashion, follows Chakotay from the meeting back onto the bridge. I don't think we've gotten a transition like this before. Yeah, I wonder if they moved the set or something because I don't yeah. I don't think I realized that the door to the meeting room was just a door on the bridge. Yeah. I mean, that's convenient, right? Because bangers mostly drop when you're in a meeting like this. It seems to be in the same spot as Picard's ready room is on the D, right? Right, but that was a ready room and this is a conference room. Yeah, yeah. Janeway's ready room is on the other side, is it not? Right, it's like perfectly opposite on the circle. Janeway's ready room also has a step down, which I like. Mm, Yeah, yeah. that's uh, classy, you know, in a 70s kind of way. Yeah, it's all carpeted. Just get down in there. Mm -hmm. Who knows what happens in the step down? The uh, morale officer wakes up in the middle of the night having a real morale problem of his own. He says to himself he's going to replicate curtains after he looks out the window into the inky blackness. Uh Uh-huh. We just found out that they're low on power. How is this episode (laughs) trying to have it both ways, that Neelix can replicate a frivolity like a fucking curtain when we know he has extra blankets, and yet the power is super limited? Yeah, he should just move a bookcase in front of the window or maybe hang a framed picture of Kess Mm. up in front. That would make him feel better, right? (laughs) Actually, that's two versions of emptiness. They're probably just like looking at the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, well. I'm I'm glad you agree with me. I'm glad you're taking my side on this one. I would not let that black window stand, though. Like it, it's already been two months, and he hasn't put anything in front of it. What would you put in front of your black window, Ben? Mm, probably a poster of Cass. Yeah, it was a great idea, wasn't it? Because it's not emptiness for me. It's just the lovely Jennifer Lean. In the mess hall, it's 3 a.m., and uh, Paris and BLT are playing a game I did not recognize yeah. before this episode. It's called Tarada, and it's like a more subtle game of checkers. Like Klingon checkers? Is, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you'd want to play with two boards if it were a Klingon game. <laughs> did you understand it to be a, of Klingon heritage? Well, there's, a, there's the board that's there in front of you, and then there's the board in your mind. <laughs> Right, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's like this in your house, but playing games like this can lead to a fight (laughs) if you're in a relationship. And uh, sure as shit, this starts one up between Paris and BLT. You don't want to start a fight with me right now, not at 3 a.m. Three in the morning, four in the afternoon. What's the difference? You're angry 24 hours a day. Paris sort of takes the opposite of, of what I do in this fight, like the, like, let's go ahead and fight all night kind of thing. Like, I'm always like, I'm too tired to do this right now. Can we, like, address this in the morning? Yeah, 3 a.m., absolutely. And he's like, we're already up. Yeah. 
That's brutal. A lot of people are up. Yeah. I was surprised at, at how many people were in the mess hall at this moment in time. Neelix, I would assume, has walked there after having his tea. Like, he just couldn't sleep, so he goes into work and breaks up, or at least tries to break up this tension, except he's more intense than anyone. Yeah. I guess the, his medical emergency is the thing that really dumps the bucket of ice water on on the fight, which, um, you know, like BLT is supposed to have that hot Klingon blood. Mm-hmm. I don't think she would care. I think she would continue the fight. I think so too. But I guess everybody's out of sorts. Neelix is not someone who should be hyperventilating, what with his one lung. I know. I, it I seems was... like it, sh- it should be very dangerous for this to happen. And instead, it's never treated with any lethality. It just seems like an inconvenience. Nobody talks about replicating him on another hollow lung nope. in this context. Now it's beyond their means, beyond yeah. their energy, probably. Yeah. Neelix looks around the ship. He sees all these power cells like that could be my lung. <laughs> that could be my lung, too. He used up his his power allotment replicating curtains, so he doesn't get along. <laughs> In Six Bay, where Neelix is taken, the dot gives him something for the hyperventilating, but not for the one lung. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's diagnosed with nylophobia, the fear of nothingness. And then he starts a nothing measuring contest with Neelix because he goes into the void multiple times a day sometimes. He doesn't even feel it anymore. Yeah. He's desensitized to the void. <laughs> Man, Neelix would be really terrified of that band in The Big Lebowski. Yeah. He believes in nothing. He believes in nothing, Lebowski, nothing. And tomorrow we come back and we cut off your Johnson. Excuse me? I said we cut off your Johnson! He needs so much more void to, to pop. Like, this is just nothing to the doctor. Yeah. My point is, you'll get used to it. Of course, locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Do it. Tuvok is uh, using a lot less energy than the rest of the crew. He doesn't need the holodeck to entertain himself. He's uh, entertaining himself in the ass lab by uh, meditating with a, I guess, just like a simulated image of stars or or like a, a old photograph, like a file photo or something. <laughs> Yeah, this is great. This is like old-timey masturbation, right? <laughs> like, he's just got a magazine. Right. Stars, the magazine. <laughs> Stars, they're just like us. Yeah, he bought it from one of those, like, dispensers that used to be out on, like, corners in urban areas. You know, you can buy, like, a copy of the uh, the Evening Post. Yeah. And a copy of Stars magazine. Big natural stars. <laughs> Stars jugs. Needless to say, the view from my quarters has been less than stellar lately. Seven walks in and is like, meditating in the ass lab. Now I've heard everything. And uh, this is when they get the radiation spike. Barely legal stars. Is that one of them? (laughs) (laughs) A way to focus the mind. This is the the moment when we finally cut over to Janeway's quarters. Chakotay reports this radiation spike to her and she's got the lights all dimmed and she's just staring out the window into the uh into the void up until this moment i always thought like you want a condo with a bunch of windows that's the best quarters to have right on a starship but when you see how low janeway is how mega bummed she's become and then you see all those dark windows well it's like she had a view and then they put up a building right next door and it's just a brick wall now 
It sucks. Yeah. She's looking at a, at the wall of a parking lot. Yeah. Did you think she'd be disfigured the way that she's lit? Like it sort of seemed like a Phantom of the Opera style of lighting. Didn't oh it? yeah, she she would turn her face into the light and you'd see yeah. the McRib sauce everywhere. Grilled pork and that sassy sauce. Tempting, huh? I can't let them see me, Chicote. <laughs> You're the only one who loves me for who I am. And still I reject you over and over again. All this time in this boring part of space, it's like really what it is is that there aren't any problems to solve, any like Mm -hmm. emergencies to dump water on. Mm -hmm. So Janeway has had time for the first time in four years to ruminate on what she now believes was a huge mistake in how she handled the situation with the caretaker in the opening episode. This scene confused me. And it's because, and I played it a couple of times, and maybe maybe I'm just fucking dumb and I didn't hear it, but they're talking about this thing without giving it a name in this scene, and I was confused about what exactly she was talking about. Like, it's clear later on they call it the caretaker's station or whatever that they destroyed, but in this scene, it did not seem clear what they were talking about, and that was a 100 episodes ago. Yeah. We had the means to get home. And uh, instead, we didn't use it because it would have, I guess, because it would have fucked up the Ocampa, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And now, and now, like, there's not even an Ocampa on their ship to care about. Yeah, so, like, it's like, who even gives a fuck? I had an idea in this scene that I thought might be a good idea. And then later on was confirmed to be an amazing idea. Do you want to hear it? <laughs> okay. This shirt that Janeway's wearing, I, I'm going to refer to as the captain's shirt, kind of like the action jacket that Picard used to wear or whatever, right. or the action vest from First Contact. Is this just what's under the garment that they wear on Voyager? It looks that way, but it's just a shirt. Like, there's nothing special about it. Right, it's just a gray t-shirt. We should put that in podshop.biz as the captain's t-shirt from Star Trek Voyager. No design. <laughs> Maybe you do the little Uxbridge Shimoda like uh, shoulder thing that you're into, but like it's just it. Like that, that it's just, I'm into. We get the color, like just the color, and it looks exactly like the captain's shirt, and that's that's it. I tried to like put a little bit of branding, a little like class up the items in Uxbridge in Podshop.biz a little bit, and I'm getting dragged for it on this episode. I'm not dragging you that at all. You're man. into. I I cut the sleeves off of all of my t-shirts. It's just not a thing I think about. Yeah. Uh, Sun's out. Lack of guns out. Yeah. (laughs) No suns, no guns. Uh, So. You know what? Except for me, it would be no suns, S-O-N-S. Mmm. Yeah. No guns, right? Yeah. I should be the one cutting the sleeves off of my shirt because I've got one. <laughs> Chicote is trying to cheer the captain up here. He's like, you know, like you can look at it th- as this huge mistake that didn't get us back, but we've gathered all this great data. Like the mm-hmm. scientists back at uh, Starfleet Command are going to love this shit when we get home. We're explorers, aren't we? Haven't we been exploring? By some measure, this is a great success. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she's trying to hear that, is she? Too much re examination of choices time has not been kind to the captain's mentals. Oh. And she really blames herself for this whole situation. It was short-sighted and it was selfish. 
and now all of us are paying for my mistake. It seems like she's sort of in seclusion as a way to punish herself for that thing that she has now decided is a mistake. What do you make of Chakotay basically having being a captain thrust upon him, like all of the duties of being a captain, both to please that booty and to like functionally be the captain of the ship? Like he does not complain about it at all. It does not seem like it bothers him. No aspect of his argument with Janeway here is about like, you know, I'm doing first officer and captain shit pretty much all the time. Like, I'm picking up your slack, and that's pretty unfair. That's never a part of of what he tells her. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, I just found that relatable because I usually have a hard time sticking up for myself as well. And telling other people that you're taking on most of the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like coming up with great ideas, like putting the Oxford Shimoda logo on the sleeve of t shirts and then go back and get it. Getting zero respect for, that great idea. Definitely bring it back up. That's a good idea. I think it's cool. I think people appreciate having, I think it classes the shirt up. I love it. I think it's my favorite thing. And it's one of the reasons why the captain's t-shirt is going to be a hot seller at podshop.biz, Ben. <laughs> Let's get it in there. Up on the bridge. Another just like totally implausible moment in this episode. Harry Kim just alone on the bridge playing clarinet. Tuvok walks in and is game to hear Harry's clarinet playing. I mean, this, I think, suggests how low Tuvok is feeling. He clearly doesn't care if he lives or dies if he's saying (laughs) yes to listening to Harry Kim's concerto about the void. Got a minute? Too many, in fact. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you're depressed and you listen to sad songs instead of happy songs, you know? Right. Is Harry Kim the emo of the crew? Yeah, except for his haircut is also higher and tighter. He should have grown it out longer and have yeah. a little bit across one of his eyes, you know? It's hard to play a wind instrument while reclined. What an interesting choice of Harry Kim to just sort of kick his legs up on the side of the chair. Yeah, yeah. He's chilling the most, and uh, he, yeah, he must have really incredible lung capacity if he's able to pull his concerto off from a (laughs) recumbent position. Yeah. Back in the holodeck, uh, the Captain Proton program continues where Paris has either invited Seven to be a part of it or Seven is just humoring him. Like, maybe she's there to do work, but Paris has invited her to become one of these characters and her character is meant to participate a little differently than how she does. When she meets this robot in the program, she like tears its guts out. The robot has been neutralized. May I leave now? She doesn't do that thing that actors are supposed to do, which is try to kind of figure out the motivation of the character she's Mm going to play. She just stays in the character of herself, you know? It'd be like, if you and I got cast in an episode of Star Trek and we're going to get blown out of an airlock or something... Seems like a fantasy. We don't have much time left. We should all be there for this. And instead of saying our lines, we were just like, Hi, I'm Ben. This is so exciting to be on Star Trek, my favorite show. Aren't you excited, Adam? (laughs) Yes, very excited. And then uh, they just left that in, you know? We, like, we say our lines just looking at the spike tape the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Here I am, standing where I need to stand. Yeah. (laughs) 
very excited. It was really fun getting fitted for the costume that I'm wearing to be a character on Star Trek. It's probably why we haven't gotten that call, right? That's going to be great when we're in the deep background of a scene. And that's exactly what we're saying. <laughs> but the dialogue's been looped, like, with the main characters. You just never hear us. Right. I've got to get that platinum. Get that robe enlargement. I've got to get that platinum. Would not. Are you planning a heist? Gold. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. 
stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Seven is supposed to be Constance Goodhart, the uh, the secretary of Captain Proton. Yeah, she's in the process of uh, tuning up this hilariously bad robot. I don't even know why the scientists make them. When a banger gets dropped on the ship. We cut around all over the ship. We see Neelix's restaurant, which is like in full dinner service. <laughs> we see Harry Kim on the bridge. We we see like lights go out all over the ship. One of the things that happens with the way the exteriors are depicted in the void is that no light is falling on the ship. So it's just the light of the windows and a couple of, uh, you know, like port and starboard lamps. And that one light that lights up the name and registry of the ship. It looks really cool, I think. I think it looks... I don't think you can argue that it looks bad. It looks cool. I think that it's form over function, though, Adam, because this is what it would look like all the time unless they're in direct proximity of a star. That's fair. Yeah. 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 So it's bad, actually, is my argument. That's an interesting point. When this banger gets dropped on the ship... Kim hops over the rail while holding his clarinet to get back to his station. I love his sense of priorities there. (laughs) Like the ship is losing power. Do not drop the clarinet. Yeah. Big time power drain. And uh, one of the things that does not stop when the power goes out all over the ship is the hollow grid. That's still on. Are you kidding me? I'm briefly going to take your side on on this moment because in the darkened holodeck, Seven is able to explain why somehow life support and the holodeck are on the same circuit. This is like having your furnace tied into some random light in your closet. Like (laughs) They wouldn't wire your ship this way. Except for they would because... (laughs) Except for they did. Yeah. So yeah, they're stuck in there. They need to get like a crowbar to open a big metal hatch in the yeah. Captain Proton ship. Chakotay finds Neelix having a full-blown panic attack in the hallway somewhere. And he's wearing an action t-shirt, right? Now available at podshop.biz. Oh, yeah, Chicote is. Yeah. Look at how good he looks here. Yeah, is this the commander's t-shirt? It is. Yeah, we're going to want to list two different two items. Two different items, yeah. and it's just the same item? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, these are the sorts of fun ideas you can have when you have your own pod store, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people don't get the enjoyment of having their own podshop.biz. Yeah. I think podstore.biz also gets you there. Oh, good. So Chakotay takes a very scared Neelix to safety, but on the bridge, Kim is picking up a kind of dampening field as the cause for this power outage. And Tuvok is like, you know, we've got a dozen torpedoes left. Torpedoes primarily are used for the defense of the ship. Maybe we should use one for illumination. Mm. Seems like you're kind of taking my side again. (laughs) It's a great idea because what else do they have? Uh, Torpedo flare is the thing that is floated. I would have uh, maybe used a a bois. Instead of modifying a torpedo, I would have modified a bois. I know. They have an inexhaustible amount of bois on this ship. 
And uh, they're also encountering like invisible Geordi aliens all over the ship. Like there's one in the holodeck. There's one stalking Chakotay and Neelix in the hallways. It's impossible not to think of the Geordi alien when you see these guys, right? It's impossible. One of them gets tagged by a phaser fire from Janeway who has like gotten back into the swing of things. She's back in uniform. She's gotten herself a rifle. She hits this guy, but it seems to have no effect. And Tuvok launches the torpedo and we see a bunch of strangely designed ships floating around outside Voyager. Yeah. Janeway enters the bridge ordering power to be turned back on. But power kind of spontaneously comes back on anyway, right? No, I think she, Chakotay, and Neelix got one of the power cells down to engineering. Oh, yeah. And that's how they get it back. When the lights come back on, Tuvok reports that there are 17 intruders on board. Yeah. And uh, all of them are Geordi. <laughs> they act on instinct alone. How did he get out here? Yeah, and they show like shooting one of these ships with phasers and and the phasers just go right through. I mean, that's why you want to use a torpedo for, for all things here, right? Like phaser going right through your ship seems like it would be a thing that would be really bad, but it doesn't seem to affect these guys at all. And that's never explained. Like, are they slightly out of phase with our reality or something? But the thing is, Janeway shot an alien Geordi with a phaser rifle and it hit them. Right. So maybe a ship's phaser goes through the ship but hits the people inside. Yeah. But then are they hurt or are they not hurt? Because it also didn't seem to hurt him. He just ran away. I think it just melts the ganache that all of these characters are wearing on their bodysuits. They're birdie suits. <laughs> the only weapon that seems to really work against these guys is the Captain Proton ray gun. Yeah. This is quick thinking by Seven to turn off the safeties and light this guy up. Yeah, so she gets a badly singed Paris down to Six Bay, reports that there's still an invisible Geordi alien in the holodeck, and just as these uh, mysterious ships are about to wipe Voyager off the map, a heroic third type of ship comes into the space and shoots a bunch of chaff and uh, it scares these little guys away. They all run. And we get on FaceTime the uh, captain of the rescuing vessel. And he is uh, kind of a gray-faced baldman with lots of, like, lesions all over. Like, it, some of this is loaf, and some of it looks like he has sort of, like, damage to his body. Didn't it seem like he came from the Dune movie set? Yeah, he really has, like... Very Harkonnen-y vibes. In, uh, Very much so, yeah. In costume and, uh, and disposition. Do not show the slightest pity or mercy! He wants payment for the charges that he fired at those, at those other guys. Seems totally reasonable. That's the first thing he asks for. Yeah. Second thing he asks for is explanation, like, who the fuck are you and what are you doing out here? Yeah. In the transporter room, they invite this guy over, where we learn his name is Impk. 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 Controller Impk. Of the Malon. He's a Malonman. Right. He's wearing a leaky suit. This is why they keep him up on the pad, right? You don't want to track that around your carpeted starship. Yeah, he's going to irradiate everyone. His his still suit is for keeping radiation <laughs> out, not keeping water in. This guy has a very dark warning for 
Janeway. And that is, I know how you guys just saw three of these ships, but let me tell you, there are thousands of them out there and they're stronger than you, just like I am. So you better turn back around and get the hell out. Or you could use a spatial vortex to get to the other side. I don't know what which you'd rather do, <laughs> but uh, but those are your choices. And you get the idea that there's also going to be a cost to that too. Right. And they're like very appreciative of both the help that he provided in scaring away their assailants and also the help he seems to be prepared to provide in uh, getting them to this vortex. But Janeway is like, I think just for want of challenge in her life, extremely suspicious of this dude and starts putting the wood to him immediately. And I was like, Janeway, gift horse, mouth, like, what the fuck? Well, I mean, it all starts when Imp is like, so you got one of these Geordies on board and he's still alive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want that one, by the way. Maybe that's part of what you can give me uh, in exchange for transit. But he won't say why. And that's because he doesn't have to. He has the ultimate position of power here in this negotiation. And he's like, not only do I not have to tell you why I want the things that I want, I don't have to stay on this fucking ship. Beam me out. I'm finished here. Yeah, he's leaving in two hours. And uh, if they want to come with him, they are welcome to. But right. uh, he wants that creature. Kind of gross that he just refers to this other alien as a creature. Mm. Like, is everything a creature to you, Emk? Yeah. Really makes you think. So Janeway goes and visits this Geordi in the six bay and the lights are down low. Because he's an invisible Geordi and you gotta, they're photosensitive. That's yeah. That's one of the things about invisible Geordies. His ganache is very, very glossy and melty. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't hardened up the way you like it. One thing I thought was uh, pretty smart about the way they did the toys, the, the action figures for Voyager, is that they just had a bunch of leftover invisible Geordi toys from the TNG line and they just yeah. repackaged them as Voidman. I see a Geordi toy. I want to paint it black. <laughs> no purple veiny things. Just paint them all black. <laughs> this guy's got quite a story he's telling in his bio bed. He's, he says that the ships are poison. The ships that, that Impk and his kind fly around in. Yeah. And he and his people are sick from them. Also, he's very sorry for attacking Voyager. Yeah, he seems so reasonable. Like, yeah. they're trying to help him, and the second he and Janeway start talking, he's like, so you're friends with the Malon? And she's like, no, we just met the Malon. We don't know them. Yeah. And he's like, fuck, man. Like, I feel really bad about attacking you now, because I just we just assumed that was that was a bad assumption on our part. Janeway's like, cool, we're going to return you to your people. And Chakotay's like, wait a second, what? I thought I was the captain. And <laughs> my evidence for that is the last two months. Like, you're seeming a little disturbed to be making all of these decisions right now. And it seems like a dangerous thing to re-engage the Geordies in an effort to send this guy home. And Janeway's like, look at me. <laughs> and Chakotay's like, I, I literally can't look at you. The lights are off. I... If I could look at you, I would, but I can't look at you. It seems like you're trying to make the case for some sort of rank, <laughs> but we're both wearing the same shirts, all right? <laughs> hey, you know what? Here's the thing about this shirt that we're going to sell in the pod shop, Ben. Yeah. Deep down, 
we're all wearing the same shirt underneath, right? Wow. Yeah. That's that's heavy. Yeah. I wish our society could recognize that. <laughs> it's all a lot of problems. I mean, deep down, we're just all a gray shirt, aren't we? <laughs> I know you don't want to do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Chakotay is spooked enough by this moment to like have a side meeting with Tuvok. Where yeah. he's like, hey, have you noticed? We've both noticed what Janeway has been like the last few months. Tuvok has picked up independently on what the captain is going through. Yeah. Despite being the captain's closest confidant, he has not actually had a conversation with her. Mm-hmm. But he's done the math. He's just a student of the human condition. And uh, he realizes that the captain is racked with guilt over getting the, the crew stranded for 75 years in the D-Quad. They both agree on two things about the captain, right? She's motivated by redemption, and she's stubborn as hell about it. Yeah, yeah. And in a, in a situation like this, where she's clearly bummed about not taking the shortcut home four years ago, and motivated by this type of redemption, like what would she do in order to make it right? And can they agree to stop her from making a rash decision in order to do that. It's my job to tear this episode apart and lay bare what a flawed premise it is. And I think that this scene is really emblematic of that because they are trying to retcon a very like operatic scale of motivation for Janeway, that she is mm-hmm. the guilt and redemption captain. But she's not. You're right. So I, I win the argument? You win that one. Do you think Philippa Louvois likes me more than she likes you? At this moment in time, but uh, it's not the end of the trial, is it? No. So on the bio bed, the Geordi is like in communication with his his ships and uh, they're hopefully not going to attack Voyager. And uh, they, they all kind of like come out of cloak and there's a ton of them. And as he lies there, He's uh, about to get beamed out, and he's like, you've got to help us. Will you help us with the Malon? But he beams out before the, the captain can even answer him. They should have cut over to the other ship, and they're like, hey, did you ask? What did they say when you asked for help? Uh, and he's like, you fucking idiots. Give me like 30 more seconds. <laughs> Jesus. Son of a... Couldn't you have waited two seconds, Captain? He was just about to explain the whole thing. In the ass lab... Janeway, Seven, and Chakotay are watching footage of either imps, either imps, impk, <laughs> impk, but there's no p. It's just m, imk, imk, imk. Is it his ship or a ship like it just dumping a bunch of this radiation into space? It's his because they they get him up on Facetime. Yeah, you know you're, we're starting to realize that he's basically just a Captain Planet villain. <laughs> this region is a perfect disposal site. How convenient for you. What he does is he comes to this part of space and dumps a bunch of industrial waste and then leaves. And he doesn't really give a shit that it's having a negative effect on the invisible Geordies. Right. You know, like he, he's got a bottom line to worry about. So if it hurts invisible Geordies, who gives a shit? The idea is to teach a man to dispose of toxic waste properly. Right. So that they can then dispose of toxic waste properly going forward. Yeah, Janeway's pitch is like, hey, you know, our 
species had the same problem, but we figured out how to recycle, you know, and we also reduce and reuse, but mostly we recycle. For a long time, there was a a part of the body politic that was all about allowing businesses to do whatever the fuck they wanted. Once we got past that fucking dark ages of society, <laughs> started prioritizing uh, a clean planet, uh, things got a lot better for us. Maybe that can be the way for you. There's coffee in that antimatter waste. And he's like, I'm skeptical. And they're like, well, come on over and check it out. And they beam him over to engineering. Suddenly they're not worried about his suit getting nope. everyone sick. Yeah. They just, that's just not a problem anymore. And, no. uh, BLT takes him on like the eco-conscious tour of the warp core and explains how their conversion technology that takes the theta radiation and, and uses it to power everything else on the ship could be adapted to the way his ship works. And he's like, well, that sounds nice and all, but I make my living as a garbage hauler and uh, this would put me out of work. So... I'm not really interested in working with you on this. Yeah. Are you really pitching me the idea of taking my gerb? <laughs> the answer is no. Yeah. And what's so interesting about this conflict is that he remains in a position of power. He has the ship with the bigger guns. He is more familiar with the area. He not only says no, but he says, fuck you, and you can't threaten me. And that's the end of the conversation. He beams back and... BLT is fucking furious that she had to go through the process of explaining anything to him. Yeah. And now they're looking at going rogue. Like Chakotay approaches the captain with a, hey, like, what if we try and like go through the vortex and just like go over this guy's head, talk to his government, see if they're into it. And she's like, no, no, no. Like the amount of lobbying power that the theta radiation uh, industry has like you'll never overcome it you know they can't mobilize a popular uprising the way the good guys can but no i mean even though policy like this is wildly popular the way that the districts are drawn just makes it impossible to make any headway in this area and you know they they've also funded 70 years of uh, you know fake news and bullshit that kind of muddies the issue and and yeah. makes like low information voters think that there's a a debate when there's really a scientific consensus about this yeah the scene earlier really foreshadowed this moment you knew what was coming right Janeway asks Chicote if he's ready for the big chair because she is about to do something rash and sacrificial yeah, they keep pulling out the big chair for Chakotay, and you kind of wonder when he's going to take a seat. If I were you, I'd kick him in the rear end for his own good. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, because the, the math of this is like, they got this vortex, they have the ship that's more powerful than them. Can they get into the vortex and then destroy it? Well, yeah, they can, but they can only destroy the end of the pipe that's proximate to them. They can't destroy the other side of it. Right. And in doing that, that would be very dangerous because it would possibly destroy the ship that remained to do it. And Janeway's like, fine, you take Voyager through the vortex. I will stay behind in a shuttle and do it myself. She comes onto the bridge for the first time with like seven minutes left in the episode to make this pitch. And yeah. she 
she sees this as a dilemma that is very much parallel to the decision that stranded in the D-Quad. If she sacrifices herself, she can get everybody else through the vortex, save them a couple of years. You know, she'll try her luck in a shuttlecraft. And Chakotay's like, no, 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 no. Do you realize how easy they, those are to blow up? Yeah. <laughs> I've personally blown up a dozen shuttlecraft on this show. You'd never survive. He is the wrong person to pitch this idea to. Didn't you get the chills in this scene, Ben, when one by one, every crew person at their station denies the order by slowly unzipping their uniform tunic and revealing a captain's shirt underneath? Mm. Yeah, some real Spartacus shit in this scene. And one by one, she looks around and she's like, I can see that everyone is wearing the captain's shirt. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if podshop.biz has its way, that's what's going to happen. I think what you're saying is there's a third shirt in the podshop store that looks exactly like the captain's shirt and the first officer's shirt. It's called the mutiny shirt. Right. And you can buy all three. <laughs> <laughs> at podshop.biz. And for some reason we make money on these? <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of money. <laughs> for some reason it's the most expensive shirt in the store. <laughs> how, do they, how do they justify $50 when there's not even a design on it? It's how it makes you feel. Yeah. So with the Spartacus moment in the rear view, they're like, oh, well we could just like leave torpedoes behind and blow it up like that. And we don't need to leave the captain. Uh, we can just blow up the opening after we go through it. Mm -hmm. So it seems like uh, the captain's like big grand self-sacrifice was totally pointless. Yeah. How many torpedoes does the ship have left at this point also? I think we're down to single digits, right? I mean, they fire a fuck ton of them at the end of this episode. How sad were you to hear that hanging for mutiny is still a thing done in Starfleet? That's also deeply disturbing. I couldn't, maybe that's a bit. Yikes. Maybe, maybe that's a bad bit moment. <laughs> I've really got my mojo back. I'm also doing bits. <laughs> Even Janeway can have a bad bit moment. Yeah. All I do is this, 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 no matter what. Yeah, so this is the new plan. Uh, we're just going to fight our way through. And the Malon ship is trying to like position itself across the aperture to the space butthole. And they do like a metallurgical analysis that says that all of the radiation has degraded the hull of the Malon ship, but the shields of the Malon ship are pretty impervious to their weapons. So it's not going well. They've let a lot of torpedoes go and the phasers aren't getting through and it's starting to fuck up their warp nacelles. Yeah. But the night aliens come in they're kind of the cavalry riding to the rescue. They're sort of the nightmans of aliens. Yeah. Saving the day men of uh -huh. Voyager. It's true. They get the shields down on the Malon ship. Voyager goes for the kill. They, they take this guy out. Very un-Starfleet of them, like to murder someone because of a political difference. Target their cargo hold. Time to take out the garbage. I kind of love this moment because you could wave it away by saying like, yeah, the garbage scow was already damaged and didn't know how strong your weapons would be and also didn't really work this out with the Geordie aliens about like when to fire at what point. 
and so forth. I think they have plausible deniability is what I'm trying to say. It seems like there are other Malon garbage scows that don't know about this space butthole. So by killing this one guy, they do solve the problem for the Nightmen. Yeah, maybe they don't have to blow this thing up, but they do. But they do anyways. Uh, and despite not having warp power, they're able to surf the shockwave. It's like going into a space butthole without a flared base. They go all the way in. You can also turn her away from the wave. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, all manner of surfing can be done to a shockwave. And they come out the other side, and they're not, they are not—they didn't quite make it all the way. They're 200,000 kilometers from the boundary. Yeah, that sucks, right? Yeah. But then that gives them that moment where they kind of come out of the void slowly. And this, again, is so silly. Like, why wouldn't they be able to see these stars? Like, we on Earth can see stars that are way more than 200,000 kilometers away. It doesn't happen very often. Like, I think Voyager is a better Star Trek series than most at this quality. But, like, the whole wonders of space moment yeah. is something that I think the Voyager crew is pretty good at vibing with. And this is like maybe one of the peak moments of that at the end. It's like they're looking at the inky blackness and there's nothing. And then there's one star, one star out there. And then there's another. And then it's like a full on fucking telescope picture. It's like the most stars and the most nebulars and the most clouds. Like it's all out there. Looks pretty lively. And then that's the final scene. They did it. Janeway's like moved. Full speed ahead. You see her face? I feel like she's going to be all right. It's like guilt and redemption, Captain, was just a, a this episode thing. You know, I would have felt good just anyway with the success of this mission, but I have to say the softness of my captain's shirt has made this moment all the better. I love it. And you can get one of your own at <laughs> podshop.com. Biz. Podshop.biz? And that's when the credits roll on the episode. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Ben? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. No! This episode sucks, Adam. It's dog shit. It's trash. The math is all wrong with this 200,000 kilometers thing that they wouldn't mm. be able to see stars beyond that. The... Captain Planet villain sure. is just like such an obvious metaphor that I was like, my eye muscles were so strained from rolling them back in my head. Yeah. And uh, overall, yeah, just an F minus from me. How about you? I like mixing my Harkonnen in with a Star Trek. I think, I think it's neat to see someone dirty <laughs> in Star Trek, right? Yeah. You never see that. <laughs> you never see dirty. This guy's a real pig pen type in like a diving suit. He's great. And I love how fucking capitalist he is. Like we need more of this in Star Trek 2. His monstrousness feels, uh, God, just as present as ever. Wow. This fucking guy. The guy that just spent the entire episode flogging our merch store is now... <laughs> He's now roasting a character for being a capitalist. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a complex capitalist. <laughs> Look, and in that way, uh, I'm like every other capitalist. Good for me, bad for everyone else. <laughs> 
I loved the visual language here. I was uncomfortable by it in a way that it, that felt intentional. The camera floating around like they were shooting a documentary almost really heightened the tension for me. Sure. And not to totally kneecap the jokey jokiness of you not liking the episode, a real feeling depiction of depression on Star Trek in a way that I don't feel like we maybe have ever gotten on a series. Like we've seen the Barclays of the world. We've seen Nero atypical characters, but we have not seen someone with a true blue bum out like Janeway is going through. And I think for someone as great as her to be feeling that kind of way is probably a good thing for people to see. And to see someone recover from such a thing is also a good thing. So try hating this episode now, Ben. Jesus fucking Christ. Philip Louvois just flipped on me. I just totally lawyer-Adamed this episode. (laughs) You're guilty, Ben. Guilty of being wrong. I win. God damn it. So fucking close to getting to sleep with Philip (laughs) Louvois. Is that what you get if you win? Yeah. Measure of a man. Ben, you know what a sure thing is. Mm. You can sleep with any priority one message you want. (laughs) Boy. (laughs) Ain't love wonderful Why don't we see what they got over there Yeah let's do it Priority one message from Starfleet Coming in on secured channel Need a supplemental income Supplemental income Supplemental Supplemental Yeah it's extra But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship Ben our first priority one message is of a promotional nature And the copy reads like this Are you a grown ass adult that still plays with Lego? No I enjoy building Lego. I enjoy throwing Lego off of a stage. <laughs> if so, then check out Brick Rock Press for some custom pad-printed Lego from a fellow FOD just trying to quit his day job. Wow. We've got all kinds of fun stuff from poker chips to classic space computers and zombies. Serious AFLOs can even grab a 1x8 FOD badge brick to show off at cons. Check out our annual Brick Rock Moab calendar featuring Lego minifigs having fun in the desert. It makes a great gift. Wow. So here's your call to action. Visit BrickRockPress.com. That's spelled like it sounds. And use the code SCARVES to save 15% off your order and follow Brick Rock Press on Instagram and TikTok at Brick Rock Press. Man, this is a... There's an FOD one? Yeah, I want that FOD one. Oh man, it's $4. It's printed right on the thing. Andrew Payne needs to take a picture of the FOD Lego, take a picture of the box it's sent in, and then send us some collateral. Mm. Something embarrassing. (laughs) And then we can open that on the show on a future episode. Man, cool. Yeah. Ah, there's... You know, in uh, in uh, the Mandalorian, that uh, television program about Boba Fett. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> you know how they pay for everything with Beskar? Like he's always getting Beskar to make new pieces of armor. Yeah, that's one of the things you can get from Brick Rock Press. Is a Beskar bar. That rules. Yeah, it rules. Brick Rock Press, good job. I, I I'm all for FODs getting to quit their day jerbs and do something that they really love. So, uh, Agreed. Yeah. If you're into Legos and you want uh, some some custom printed ones, go there and do that. 
And don't send me letters about how you're not supposed to say Legos. Fuck off. Mm. I don't know why you got glitter bomb, dude. <laughs> I have no idea. Our next priority one message is from Jeb Kush, and it's to Worm Queen. Goes like this: Beep beep boop beep. Computer, please replicate coffee, Earl Grey, like a handful of macrodose gummies, and of course, some burnt cream cheese shapes. Anyway, happy birthday, Worm Queen. It's been years of this burnt cream cheese shape chicanery, and your boyfriend has needs an explanation. He is too afraid to ask. Thank you, Ben and Adam. I'm really hoping we did the jab there. <laughs> the jab that Jeb Kush wanted us to do. Are you familiar with the concept of burnt cream cheese and what it means? Uh, burnt cream cheese shapes sounds like it might be code for something, or it might just literally be burnt cream cheese shapes. Yeah. I'm going to have to uh, do a little internet searching with the uh, privacy filter on. Yeah, See what yeah. that's about. You, you want to fire up your VPN before you put that into a browser. Sure do. Uh, yeah, well, uh, happy whatever that was, Jeb Kush and Worm Queen. <laughs> your enthusiasm is really going to sell future P1s, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> if you'd like to get a priority one message on the show, we would super appreciate it. It's a great way to uh, get your commercial message out or... Uh, Say something nice to your worm queen. Yeah, get that greatest gen bump. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I think I want to give it to the captain for just showing up in uniform with rifle in the hallway. Like, no call of distress goes out to her. Like, I guess she could feel the bangers, but it's kind of amazing that when she feels the bangers and the power goes out all over the ship, her first instinct is not to go to the bridge, but rather to get a rifle and start hunting in the hallways. So I think she's going to be my Shimoda. Yeah, it's an interesting choice, right? Because like Gene Hackman feeling bangers in Crimson Tide, mm. like you don't cut away to her quarters when she feels them. She just shows up in a moment of triumph. Totally. To shoot this guy. I'm going to make her my Shimoda too for that. For very similar reasons, like never knowing where she's at on the board in an episode is just a very unusual position to be in as a viewer. Totally. And not really knowing what your expectations are about her makes her a total wild card in a very Shimoda-esque way. So yeah, I think that's going to be my pick too. I dig it. Well, do you want to uh, talk about the next episode we're going to review, Adam? That's right, Ben. It's episode two of season five of Star Trek Voyager. What do we got? It's called Drone. An accident merges Seven's Borg nanoprobes with the Doctor's mobile emitter and an Ensign's DNA to create a 29th century Borg drone. Is this a, uh, a Borg's Tuvix episode? Yeah, except for somehow the back of the head is less upsetting. And like you wouldn't <laughs> think because there's some body horror stuff with with the Borgs and, and the way they look, you know, the, the way their skin looks kind of necrotic. There are still scenes at the FCC where they use the back of Tuvix's head as an example of what <laughs> we can and should still censor. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, why don't you head to gach.biz slash game and uh, talk us through what way we will be reviewing this episode. 
All right, Ben, we got a great big bump last week. It is maneuvered our runabout to the second row from the top at square 87, a few squares ahead. We've got a The Traveler episode, which would move us five squares ahead yet again. A couple squares after that is a Neelix's Galley episode, which is an episode where you and I just drink some Talaxian champagne. Which is a code for regular champagne. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Good things ahead, it looks like. Mm. Ben, I have rolled a six. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Which has hopped us over both of those. We're currently on square 93. It's a regular old episode, but what it does do is it puts us on the top row. Yeah. And uh, seven squares away from a Mornhammered episode. Fuck. Man, I was a little, I'm, I'm a little disappointed because I was kind of hoping for some champagne, but uh, if it if it gets us to a Mornhammered, I mean, it's been a long can, time since we've done one of those. Can you do a power hour with champagne, Ben? Boy, that sounds really dangerous. <laughs> the headache the next day on a champagne power hour is, uh, is really something. I bet. Something to think about. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Well, I uh, just had such a blast dragging this episode through the mud with you today, Adam. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Little disappointed in the uh, in the conclusion when I clearly lost, and uh, Philippa Louvois decided that she loved you more than she loved me. Not a surprise to me whatsoever. But uh, you know, sometimes you take the L. We got some people to thank before we get out of here, isn't that right? It's the season of thanks, isn't it, Ben? Yeah. When I look around our podcast dinner table and I see all the friends of Desoto there, yeah, I'm filled. I'm brimming with thanks. Yeah. For all of their support for making this show possible. That support comes in a variety of ways. First and foremost is the financial support we get at MaximumFun.org slash join. That is support that actually makes this show possible. It gets windy and you and I paid a living wage. True. And health benefits and all that. That's great stuff. But really growing the show almost as important. Telling friends, rating and reviewing the show. Telling family members at the Thanksgiving table what you like to listen to. Yeah. Without shame. No shame. Maybe you stand up from your seat and during a toast you tell your friends and family. Yeah. Yeah. What shows you like. I think this is actually like, I mean, it feels risky as hell, but it might get you out of an awkward political conversation at the Thanksgiving dinner table in a way that I think is kind of cool. Yeah. The podcast gauntlet. Throw it down. (laughs) You can also uh, head to podshop.biz, where if we have our acts together, the captain's shirt, the commander's shirt, and the mutiny shirt will all be available. I'm so excited about this. Going to be a lot of work explaining our idea for this to the store guy. but uh, You know what's going to be great is going to Star Trek Las Vegas or any convention and just seeing someone wear a gray t-shirt, <laughs> asking them if that's the captain's gray sh- t-shirt, and they're like, no, like... I'm in a casino, like, <laughs> honking on the arm of a slot machine. Like, I'm not here for the convention. I'm just wearing a gray shirt. I just, for some reason, came to the Rio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we got to thank Adam Ragusia, who makes our original theme music. He's uh, got a great cooking channel over there on YouTube, as well as an Adam Ragusea podcast 
Uh, we're going to be on there pretty soon. Hope so. Reviewing a movie, right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Great show. we got to thank Nick Dittmore, who does all of our artwork and uh, helps us out with the store. got to thank Wendy Pretty, our intrepid producer, who uh, keeps the lights on and keeps all of the machinery working for this show. Uh, we had Wendy start a little experiment. We're putting episodes up on the Greatest Trek YouTube channel. It's it, it, at Greatest Trek is the handle. I don't know how YouTube works. I think you just put that in as the handle. YouTube.com slash Greatest Trek. Is, could that possibly be it? Is it slash at Greatest Trek? It's one of those. If you know how YouTube works uh, and you would like to consume the show on YouTube, it's available there now. Yeah, so if you're in an office, maybe, and you're working uh, through the holidays, maybe you have this on in a tab in the background and you got your, your earbuds mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Maybe you can listen to the show at work finally. That'd be nice, right? Make it look like you're working. But you're not. Whoa. And you don't have to worry about laughing. That's the best part, right? You'll never give yourself away listening to this show. Yeah, if you bring a sort of an Adam uh, sensibility to this proceeding, yeah, it's going to be fine. Yeah. No one has to know. We got to thank Bill Tilly, our card daddy, who runs our social media accounts at Greatest Trek on Instagram and maybe still Twitter. Who knows? Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's probably got a setup on like Gab and Parlor now. I'm surprised that we didn't run Twitter into the ground. <laughs> it took someone else to do it. <laughs> well, uh, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager where the back of our heads are upsetting, but they're not that upsetting. I it so. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.